Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. And God, not one person leave here the same way they came in. We've come hungry. We've come to the right place at the right time. And we know you've met us here. If anything, we can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord when it's all said and done. Because your presence is here. And we love on you. And we thank you so much. You are a good God. You're a wonderful Lord. You're my Savior, my Redeemer, my Healer. You're my psychologist. You're everything I need, Lord. And you're my soon-coming King. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Well, I tell you what. One commercial real quick. If you haven't got your tickets, they're going like hotcakes, I'm sure. But on the 25th, we're going to be having Scott Woods. If you haven't seen him, I mean, this guy, you will laugh. Your stomach will hurt. Your stomach will feel good because we're going to have El Chico's cater the uh, meal. So for $20, it's a meal and a banquet. It'll be in this room right here. Carol and I are buying a whole table. We want friends to come with us. But it's going to be funny. It's going to be good. It's going to be a night of laughter. It's going to be a night of fun. How many need just to break away and just have a loose night every once in a while to just casually come and and just be with the Lord and good friends? Amen? And when, guess what? When you go home, you feel good about yourself. And that sounds like a pretty good night out. And so uh, make sure you do that. Gretchen, you got the tickets today? Somebody? Welcome center. Make sure somebody's back there to get them. Get your tickets today, $20 a piece. And like I say, it's a catered deal. That's why we have to have it on in advance. You can get them online like you do your tithings. Let many of you do that online. Good to see everyone here today. Some faces I don't know, but I'm glad to see new people all the time. It's refreshing to see those. And God bless you real good. Now, when I preached today, uh, uh, I did my patriotic message last Sunday. But thank you to all of our servicemen and our servicewomen for serving. Let's give all of them a big hand because that's what Independence Day is all about. Those who paid the supreme price, the supreme price. I don't know if you remember last Monday was 150 years since the bloodiest battle in American soil. Uh, It happened about uh, 60 miles out of Washington, D.C., when when 175,000 men in the Civil War met. 23,000 men died in a 12-hour period. Now, you say, well, uh, things are different nowadays. Well, uh, one casualty is enough. Amen? And especially if that's your son or that's your daughter. It means a little bit different, doesn't it? So my hat's off to all of our servicemen and women. God bless you. Thank you so much. I am not preaching a patriotic message today. You've been hearing one all week. I love to watch uh, uh, fireworks in, uh, uh, on the screen at TV, but uh, we had a great one last night in our backyard and uh, almost caught everything on fire, but that was good. We had ours already, but everyone in this room, I, I exclude no one, including myself, everybody, at some time in your life could possibly be this very Sunday morning. Because I don't believe that anybody gets here by accident that God has a providence and a place for us at that particular time. He's got it arranged. He's got it ordained for you to be here, hear this message. You're not going to be accountable for last week's message. It's already gone. But because you woke up and you came this morning, you're accountable for this message and move and act on it. But that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. 
But that responsibility comes heavy because when the Lord begins, begins to gnaw at our heart and pulls at our strings of our heart, then that's when we need to move. Amen? Not the week after or the next week or two weeks. So get ready. God's going to do something for you. And I believe everybody in this room has a time and a place to be at a particular place and time for a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. A clean church needs a breakthrough on different things, finances and getting the electrician and the plumbing done and different things like that. We need a breakthrough in this church. You need a breakthrough in your life. And I'm going to be sharing with you how you're going to get that. God's put this message on my heart. I preached probably in this uh, text probably... Who knows? hundred times or more. I don't know. But I do know this. God gave me a fresh message out of this just for this church this morning. So I want you to get your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 3. And uh, it's a story about two men, especially one who was labeled a coward, disciple coward, who uh, ran off and wasn't there when Jesus hung on the cross. He wasn't there when he was buried. And now he wants to make everything up. So he goes to the upper room. He gets an experience with God. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now Peter is not the same guy any longer. He's not a coward now. He stands up, preaches on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. Something changes in their life. It's a breakthrough. Every one of us in this room needs some kind of breakthrough that makes us from timidity to boldness. Amen? God doesn't need a bunch of cowards. He needs some boldness in the church. Amen? People that stand up and talk about Jesus in front of them. I always said this. You can go in Walmart. You can use God's name in vain. Nobody ever notice it. But tell that checker, thank you, Jesus. Just like right now. You can hear a pin drop. They're going to say, what did he say? Jesus, well, he's not supposed to say that name in public. Oh, yeah? Just watch. Well, somebody needs a breakthrough in some different areas, and I'm going to get mine. You're going to get yours. But here's a story, and I saw it in so many different lights this last week preparing for this. I asked Pastor Matt, my son, I said, what do you want me to preach on? Just let the Lord lead you, whatever, you know, let God lead you. And so this is what he gave me for today. It says, one day, Peter... And John were going up into the temple at the time of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I just have to say this real quick. It wasn't unusual now for Peter and John to go to the temple and pray. They knew the time. You got here at 1030. You showed up. You knew the time. They knew it was supposed to be 3 o'clock. That's when we're going to go to church. 258, something changes in their life. And I want to show you what that is. When you walked out walked out of that parking lot into this building, you were expecting God to do something different. I really believe that. I don't believe anybody comes to church on a Sunday morning and goes like, uh, can we have the same as usual? No. You want a fresh touch from God. You want a fresh word from the Lord. You want a fresh experience of God in your life, don't you? You want to know that Jesus Christ is the answer for every need in your life. I do. I want to walk out of this building better than I came in. And so I knew the time. I knew I was supposed to be here at 1030. But you know what? Three o'clock, they're going in to pray. Here's what it says. Verse number two. Now a man who was uh, lame from the birth of being uh, carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put and you might want to learn, uh, learn this word, every day. Somebody say every day. He was there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. 
Now, just to stop there just for a second, I don't know about you, the guy in the last uh, verse of uh, chapter 4, it says the guy was 40 years old. 40 years old. Now, that means he had to be taken to this, this place, wherever that place was, right by that temple gate, and they set him there because he couldn't walk every day. Who knows for how long? Could be 30 years, 20 years, 30 years. How did he know that this was going to be a different day than the rest of the days? How did you know that when you walked in that, this building this morning, out of car in the building, it might be just a different day for you this morning? Maybe God ordained something spectacular for you that you can't even imagine God can do, but you're sitting on the edge of your seat and say, show me, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want to put in my life? Well, this guy's sitting here just like he did every afternoon at 2.58. The reason why I say that because it's time for Peter and John to go in. Then Peter said, uh, he, or pardon me, he goes back, he says, uh, do you have any gold for us, uh, anything that you can give me? And verse number 3, and when they saw Peter, he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. And Peter looked up straightway at him, and, and so did John. And Peter said, look at me. Evidently, he was looking at the ground. So the man gave his attention. I underline that word because I want your attention for just a few seconds. Expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. I love this part. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What a command. This is them using the authority of Jesus' name on that day, just like we can do today. And get up and walk. He reached down. He took him by the hand. Right hand, by the way. I like that. Took him by the hand, authority hand. He helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. That's not the rest of the story. That's pretty fantastic. Never walked. Nothing ever happened to his life. He sat there day after day, Sunday after Sunday. I go to church. It's the same old thing. I'm not getting anything out of church. We go from church to church trying to figure out what we're going to get. Sometimes you got to put a little effort in to get something out. But anyway, this guy has no effort at all. He pulls him up. He begins to walk. Here's the good part of it. Guess what happened? And this is what I want to encourage you with this morning. He said, after he stood up and he walked, then the Bible says, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. This guy's jumping. He's running. He's doing all that kind of stuff. Guess where he went? He didn't run off to the nearest place he can, uh, you know, play football or something. He went into the house of God. He said, where are you guys going? We're going into church. I want to go with you. You begin to tell your testimony what the Lord's done for you. I want to know. I want you to know people's going to follow that. They're going to say, I want the same Jesus that you have. Amen? Carol and I, my mom and dad, just moved to Meridian. And a very nice place, man. It feels like you're on a cruise ship all the time. You go in there, nice uh, tables, white tablecloths. Just sit back and say, "Feed me," and they bring all the food. You got—I mean, it's nice. It's super nice. I go over there and eat. And um, so I, I want a part of this cruise ship, you know. And uh, so a lady said, "How old are you?" I said, "66." Do you know you qualify? You can be in here. And I thought, man, give me a couple more years. 
But anyhow, so we're getting rid of some of their stuff. And she said, do you want this exercise bike? So I inherited the exercise bike. Took it home. I don't know. Do you, how many has ever rode an exercise bike? Man, you can pedal and go nowhere. I mean, the more you pedal, the more walls you're looking at. The more, more you can just imagine. You know, like I'm pedaling, I'm going like I'm, I'm praying for. I'm, imagine I'm in Tour de France. And I can imagine all I want to, but when I open my eyes, I'm still on that stationary bike. There's some of you walk a treadmill, stationary bike, getting you nowhere. That's kind of what life is for a lot of people. They're day after day, they're trying to find the dream, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They're, they're doing something to get ahead, and you take one step, two steps back. You're never getting ahead for some reason. Why? Because you've, you've not done it the right way. And so we stay on that treadmill or that bicycle. We keep pedaling. We're going nowhere in our life. That's kind of the way these disciples were until the Holy Spirit came in their life, changed their life, gave them power of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, God begins to challenge them, what are you going to do with the Jesus in your life? And one day they go to pray, and they're going in, I would say, 258. They probably just got there just in time to go into the temple at 3 o'clock to pray. And guess what? The same guy they seen at 3 o'clock every day. It's nothing new. They've seen this guy before and probably flipped him a coin or two or a buck or two, give him some money, uh, be on my way, get out of my hair. I don't want to see anymore. And that's all there was. There's a scripture in the Bible that these guys actually believe. I want to share this with you. It's in John chapter 14 and verse 12. Here's what Jesus said. Very truly, Very truly, I tell you, in other words, he put some emphasis on this. Truly, 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 whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, but greater than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Did you know they took the Bible seriously? They took the Scripture seriously. They took Jesus' word seriously. Did you know that you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will do more things than than the disciples did, than Jesus did, because Jesus in us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. This freedom that you and I share as far as coming to church on a Sunday morning, I don't take it for granted. Many of our military men and women that are sitting here know this for a fact. There's a lot of countries you go into, and Karen and I have preached in a few of them, that you go in there and sometimes you're not too welcomed by the city to go. They're going to Peru on a trip. When we went to Peru on a mission trip, uh, the evangelicals weren't welcome in this one city that we went to because it was prominently another denomination. So they didn't want us going around preaching. And if you found yourself preaching, you'd get in trouble. We come in these doors just as free as we want to. We drive down these freeways just as free as we want to. We go to church when we want to. We don't have to. We get a choice on that. But here Peter and John's going into the temple and they're going in there to pray. I'm going to preach on uh, my breakthrough has to have right timing. How many know timing's everything? You give it right time. It's got to just be the right time. The reason why I say that years ago, we were pastoring Caldwell. This was like uh, 78. 
we're poor. We're 30 years old. We don't have no money. I mean, 30 year olds said the same route, okay? <laughs> we don't have any money. We're young. You don't even can't afford kids, but you have them anyhow. And you can't afford the car payment. You go down and buy one anyway. It's kind of like you know where the rent the own store is. And you go there and you, you live your life like that. You pay the payments uh, this month. I can't afford this. This month I can't afford it. Well, anyway, that's the way we are. Well, anyway, so one of the deacons in the church, I'll never forget him, Curtis Rogers was his name. And he came to me. He says, Pastor, he said, being young, uh, you need to invest in some land. I found some land for $1,000 an acre and has full mineral rights. I said, $1,000? I'm thinking of one acre. <laughs> I'm thinking buying one acre. He said, well, there's, uh, uh, you got to buy more than one acre. I said, how many acres is it? It's 100 acres. You're like, 100 acres? I'm not really a good mathematician, but I I know that's more than I can afford. So I told Curtis, I said, you know what? I'm going to have to pass on this deal. Yeah, but I'm telling you, you need to get this. You, It would be good for you to get this. Uh, being young. You can invest this land. You can make some money later on. Maybe sell it for $2,000 an acre later on. Well, there was just one big problem. If you don't have $100,000, you don't have $100,000. You could go to the bank and tell them, I want to, to put up collateral, my two boys and my wife, and my rent-to-own TV and all that. They ain't going to do it. Curtis said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll loan you the money. You just buy the land. I couldn't do it. I just didn't feel it was right to do a guy in church that way and rob him because I knew I didn't have the money to pay for it, so I didn't do it. That was in 78. Two years later on that very land, they had already found the Austin chalk by that time and began to drill. On that piece of property are four oil wells with my name on them. <laughs> Nobody knows my name there. We didn't buy it. How many know you, timing's everything? You've done that. You've had an opportunity to do I, I like those people that when you buy a car and you show them and say, man, I bought this car for, uh, uh, you know, $10,000. Oh, you didn't repay. I, I could have got that car for you for eight five. How many knows after the fact all the time somebody could have helped you? That happens to me all the time. And I tell them what a deal I get, and they go like, oh, yeah, I could have got that for like half that. But you never know those people to after you do it. Timing is everything. Just the right time to do what God wants you to do. The reason why I say that, my breakthrough has to be in God's timing. And if you get out of step in God's timing, I've been out of step in God's timing, and it's not very much fun. If you get out of step with God's timing means that you're in back of God or you're in front of Him. And let me tell you something. If you're in back of God, you're certainly not walking in the harmony that God wants you to have. And if you feel like God's too slow and you get ahead of Him, you're not walking in front of God, walking God's timing. The reason why I say that, here's a guy that waited 40 years for his breakthrough. 40 years for his miracle. How many have been praying for a lost loved one? Maybe two years, three years, 10 years, maybe a dad or a mom or a son or a daughter, or maybe your friend, maybe your coworker, or maybe you were here, you're praying that God would, would just open up the windows of heaven, just pour out on you a blessing. And you say, and I want my breakthrough, but I've been waiting a long time. Carol and I've had needs 
that we've prayed over five years for or we've prayed ten years for. And there's been times, and we just buried a brother a couple weeks ago. And guess what? The oldest brother, I got the lead to the Lord before he died, and he saved the sinner's prayer. And I did got to do that with Charles, her brother that just passed away, and I did the funeral. And when I stood up there, and one of the guys told me after the funeral, said, oh, you don't know Charles like I knew him. You you talked to him like if he was a Christian. I said, well, that that's what he was when I got through praying with him. <laughs> now, some of you don't believe that you can get there at 1159, but he got there at 1159, a few seconds left. And there wasn't much time in his life, and I said, Charles, I'm going to pray. Are you ready to meet God? I, I think I am. I said, let's just know you are. And I prayed the sinner's prayer with him. And he prayed that prayer. And then that Sunday night when we called him just before he died, I said, Charles, are you ready to meet God? Everything okay? Yes, Mal, I, yes Harry, I, things are okay. I'm ready, you know, whatever. And that night, a little after midnight, before we could get there, he passed away and went to be with the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. But I'm going to leave all that in the Lord's hands. Thank God we are not a judge over people. Amen? But I just believe if somebody does this, and Pastor Matt says it all the time, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How hard can that be? And we make getting saved or getting right with God so hard that we want to do penances or stand on our head or walk on our knees or or get in the water or whatever we need to do or join the church just to be saved. That's not in your Bible. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's our salvation. Amen. And some of you have been praying a long time for your breakthrough in your life, personal life. But let me tell you, your breakthrough is coming, but it's got to be in God's timing. Don't get impatient. Don't get in back of God. Don't get in the head of God. I don't know what you're praying for, but don't get too big of a hurry. Wait upon the Lord. No wonder Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm telling you, when you trust in the Lord, you are patient to walk in harmony with the Lord. He said, but this guy at the gate evidently didn't know the Lord. Probably didn't. He didn't ask to be healed that day. He asked for money. Some of us, we don't know what we need from God, but God knows what we need. You hear what I'm saying? I don't know what I need a lot of times when I pray, but God knows what I need. He knows there's an emptiness in my spirit and an emptiness that God can only feel and if I could break out and do that and be submissive to God. There's a scripture I want to give to you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, one says, due time, good season, but in his time. Amen? It's God's time. What's the key word there? Humble, submit, stop resisting. Get along with God. Be patient. God's worthy of our praise. Humble is a type when you put God first. You know that song that uh, Megan was singing a while ago, We Bow Before You? It wouldn't have been a bad idea, including myself, probably fill this whole place up here and just bow before the Lord. He is King. He is Lord of Lords. I remember us going to the anniversary of Queen Elizabeth, and Carol and I were over there at that time.
And oh man, she come riding down the boat uh, there in her little boat, and those people behind her. Oh, they were just this is the Queen Elizabeth, and oh, they would hell give her hells of praise and all that. And I'm thinking to Carol, said, if people will do that for a human being that didn't die for them, how much more could we do for Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate supreme price? And gave us life for you and I, that we bow before him and recognize him king and Lord of our life. Not just Savior, that's important, Savior. But when you make him Lord of your life, that means he's in control. And you stop being in control, can you say amen? The right time. Now let me tell you something. If this guy was placed any other place that day, he wouldn't have got his miracle. It was right timing for him. Now I don't know about you, but... There's some things I've been asking God for. And here's what I say. Lord, I'd love for you to do this right now. You ever prayed that prayer? And Lord says, uh, how about in a second? Your second's different from God's seconds. For a day with him is as a thousand years. Do your mathematics on what a second is. <laughs> A second might be your lifetime. A second might be 10 years, 20 years. But I, I believe if you're faithful and you submit to God, whatever breakthrough that you want, I'm praying for a breakthrough in this church, in Colleen Church. I'm praying for breakthroughs of the power of God to hit this community and people hunger for God. I'm praying for America breakthrough. Yeah, you better believe I am. Man, I remember, I'm old enough to remember 1963. Man, when all of a sudden the Supreme Court begins to tell you you can't do this and you can't do that. And I don't know, Gretchen and I were looking up the other day and all, in what, just a few years, it will double the abortions in America will double that of the Holocaust. Over 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. In World War II, abortions will double that in just next year or so. And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, guess what? You didn't have a mom and dad that chose that for you. You're here today. And I got a mom and dad sitting here today and said, here's little Harry. We don't want him no more. And they've been thrown in trash cans. They've been flushed down toilets. They've been left discarded along the roadways. They've never had anyone to bow at their funeral and pray over them. They've never had good words. They don't have obituaries. They don't have tombstones. They don't have markers and nothing to remember them by. But we have a Lord that remembers them. The reason why I say that, the Bible says, Suffer not the little children to come to me. Such is the kingdom of God. Amen. And we've got an America that I've been praying, God, put a refreshing, put an anointing, put a revival spirit back in America that we as believers are not timid anymore or afraid that we'll stand up and shout out the praise of the Lord. For this, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Word of God says. We want all kinds of ideas in our life and philosophies. Let me tell you something. This is not a philosophy. The Bible says this is the written Word of God. This is the truth. Your Bible is the truth. And we get into reading all kinds of stuff that's not true. We get into believing stuff that's not true. The Word of God's true. It's faithful. No wonder it's a bestseller and always has been. No wonder Voltaire's and the ones and, and Hitler's and the rest of them said, before I die, every Bible will be removed from the face of the earth. Guess what? It's still the bestseller around. Amen? You're waiting for a breakthrough in the nation. I'm waiting for one 
in the churches. I'm waiting one for my family, but I got to have the right timing. That's when I know the Lord has me in the right time. How about the right place? I thought about that. I've been pastoring long enough that I've heard it before. People come to church and I say, hey, you're going to attend our church? Well, we're looking for the right place. Uh, Well, look no further. Why go shopping around? I believe you got the right place. The right message is being preached. The right people are are praying. We're still believing that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. We're preaching the name of Jesus Christ. We believe he's the miracle worker. We believe in divine healing. We believe in the miracles that he did in the New Testament. He can use you and I and the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who would have thought this guy named Peter would ever be used of God to pray a prayer like that? And all he said was, give me your hand. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And sometimes we bait our head against the deal. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, oh, if it's not done, it might be done, it might be done, it will be done. You know, we don't want to. He said, take authority. Some of you need to take authority in your life. This is what saith the Lord God wants to do. What's the right place? I believe this is the right place. It's the right time. It's the right place for you to have a breakthrough this morning. Now, the reason why I say that is because... I don't believe that God chose you this morning, woke you up at a specific time. Do you ever seen that commercial? Here's what it said. This commercial come along and it says, uh, you got up at seven this morning and you brushed your teeth. You got dressed and you ate your breakfast and you went to work. You went to work and you ate your lunch. After your lunch, you went back to work. You came home from work, you had your, talked to your kids, you had your dinner. Little did you know, this was the day before an F5 tornado. You heard that commercial? It's on all the time. Let me rephrase it. You got up and you brushed your teeth. You put on your Sunday clothes, your shorts, and your, your sandals. In Hawaiian shirt, which I wanted to wear this morning, I didn't wear my Hawaiian shirt. Everybody sixties, you need a Hawaiian shirt. And you got dressed, and you you got there at ten thirty. It's just a normal day as usual. The preacher preached, but guess what? When you left, it was a different day. Your life was changed forever. Jesus came in and lifted a burden off of you. You never dreamed it could ever be lifted. Your past has haunted you far enough you couldn't get out of it. You didn't know that Jesus could change you from the inside out. You wanted to dress it up on the outside. This is what maybe people believe that I am. It doesn't matter what I believe. I can look at you and say, yeah, praise God, you're a Christian. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord say? There's something empty inside of you. I'm going to end up with this, and I want to share with you a story that I heard from a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, uh, New York. Uh, Jim Simbola is his name. You've read some of his books. And great guy, tremendous choir. Anyhow, there was a, a lady in his church named Robin, 
And Robin uh, had a mom that hated her, despised her, abused her in every way that you can imagine. She was so upset with Robin because Robin was the spitting image of her dad that they never did get married. She hated this man. She despised him. And every time she looked at Robin, she thought she reminded him of that man she hated. She would beat her, slap her, throw her in the closet, chain her up, all kinds of stuff. At 11 years old, she tells a story that her mother was in such a rage that day that she took a pancake skillet turner, one of those metal ones, and she saw her mother heat that over her gas stove until it was red hot and chased her in the house and burned her arms. Then turned to her and said, why did you make me do this? Eleven years old? Robin finally was rescued for a short time when her mother married a bus driver that was good to her. And every time her mother would ran out in rage, he would set her in order. said, you're not going to hurt that little girl anymore. She said, Robin said he was my lifesaver. He would defend me. He would make sure my mother wouldn't hurt me. Now, she's taking the, t- there's all the moms here, they're sitting here going like, I can't imagine that. There's nobody going to hurt my kids. Yeah, that's what I'm understanding. But let me tell you where not everybody has that fairy tale relationship. Well, anyway, about two years, her stepdad died. One day she's sitting on the porch. Robin's sitting on the porch. Now she's uh, 12, 13 years old. There's a boy standing on the sidewalk. She's talking to him. Her mother goes in and gets an extension cord, doubles it up, and begins to profusely beat her in front of this boy until marks are all over her body. She ran away from home. They found her. They put her in a juvenile detention center. There she spent a couple years until they put her in a couple fosters home. She went like this for two or three years. Until finally since she got out of fosters homes at 18, she went on her own. And she said, my life was a wreck by now. And I thought, and nobody care about me. I'm just going to do my own thing and for the next few years. And she lived like hell on earth. She began to live like her mother lived. She got her a job at an age of about 23. <clears throat> at the job, there was a person, kind of like some of you that are here today, that know Jesus. This lady comes up to her and begins to be friends with her. She said, Robin, would you go to church with me? And this is Cleveland, Ohio, by the way. Would you go to church with me? She said, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think I need to go to church. She went to church. She went a couple times, three times, four times, a few times more. One day she walked down the aisle, gave her life to Jesus Christ. Here's her, here's her saying. She said, I never thought the Lord could love me like he did. He changed me from the inside 
out. That was what she said. He changed me from the inside out. She was nothing to look at as far as 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 cleanliness or anything, but God changed her. Guess what? Today, she is part of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir that sings these great, challenging songs. Get you a CD of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. You will hear Robin singing there today. How long did Robin wait for her breakthrough? A long time. How many times did when she got her beatings and her whippings that she probably say, I just would like to kill my mother and I get it over with, kill myself. In fact, she had made the statement that there's many times that she threatened to kill herself. Some of you need a breakthrough in your emotions. Some of you need a breakthrough that you feel like you had a chip on your shoulder and just the smallest little thing sets you off. And you get so mad that you want to hurt somebody. Do You need to get Jesus in your life and let him change you from the inside out. There's a couple here today I know for sure that God brought you here this morning. And you put on the church thing, you know, so nobody would know that you really need something inside done. It could be a teenager. It could be a mom and dad. You say, I need Lord. i got a vacancy and an emptiness here that I'm hungry. I'm, I need somebody to do something for me. The Lord's wanting to give you a breakthrough this morning. There's some in your marriage that are here today. You and your wives have been clawing it out for the last few years and fighting it out and you say the kids are watching this screaming at each other you saying, is there ever going to be any peace in our home not without Jesus there won't be but I guarantee you put Jesus in your life it'll change your attitude it'll change his attitude her attitude it'll make everything I believe the way it should be and a husband and wife can get back together and then there's a breakthrough some of you here today Saying, Pastor, I don't have two nickels to rub together. I am broke. I'm going to tell you something. You ain't near as broke as that guy sitting at that temple for 38 years. All he wanted, just a nickel or two or a dime or two, throw it my way. And then somebody pick him up, take him home, pick him up, bring him back the next day. You had an opportunity today to come. And when you walk out that door today, it's your choice to say, I am not leaving unless something takes place. I must change. I have to change. I cannot keep going on. Robin knew at the age of 23 something needed to change. I'm not going to be like my mother any longer. I'm going to change. Jesus came into her life. What a wonderful story. Did she go through some bruises? She sure did. It was a long time for breakthrough. It sure was. But you're in the right place at the right time. I want you to just think about it for just a moment as they sing this song. And let's just worship the Lord. Just take a minute and let's love on the Lord. Would you do it?